This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Hello, one and all. Merry holidays. It is Christmas Eve tonight, so I was going to say Merry Christmas, but... Five on Three is a podcast of the world, so if you celebrated Hanukkah recently, I'm not exactly sure when Kwanzaa is. I should have looked that up, but if you celebrate that, happy Kwanzaa to you. I am joined today by James Burley and Maddie Pomonte, two eminent voices in the hockey world. Uh, today, we are talking about puck, specifically tri-state area puck, as well as going around the league today we are feeling generous we are actually going to discuss briefly every single nhl team in regards to what do they deserve for christmas are they looking for a fresh start to the new year are they celebrating christmas things have been going very well or have they been naughty and terrible and do they deserve a lump of coal in their stocking we'll get into all of that however maddie james merry christmas eve to you guys Merry Christmas to you, Nick. This is so exciting. This is two podcasts in two days for us. So it, it's absolutely, it's my Christmas gift to be able to do a podcast so frequently with you over this break. And you too, James, it's always a pleasure to do that. And the Christmas spirit and holiday spirit is alive and well, and it will be today on this podcast. Yeah, I'm I'm just feeling that love that you guys are sharing right now, you know, and it's it's great to be a part of it. I We had... Maddie and Matuch a while ago it was like it wasn't a tri-state episode and now we're bringing it back in and Maddie you had some great stories from the Hurricanes Islanders game last night that I'm sure we're going to get into Nick you know you're repping the Kings hat it's been a fun year on both coasts for you so uh, I'm just I think it's been a good holiday season so far and I'm what better way to spend it than talking hockey at 8 23 in the morning Pacific time for you Nick than uh, than what we're doing right now this is the best there is nothing I would rather do. I, hmm, where should we start? Because because the great thing about hockey is it is arguably the most Christmassy sport. So I'm so excited for this episode. Uh, let's start, let's see, let's start um, with the most irrelevant team to all of us, which is the New York Rangers. And they're seeming, I'm, I don't want to call it a slide as of late, but there are concerns rising uh, just in the last week. Uh, you know, they had a nice win against the Maple Leafs and then an absolutely crushing and I mean crushing loss to the Edmonton Oilers. I watched that whole game. Jonathan Quick had a shutout going for him for the first two periods and then the defense just completely collapses in the third. They play against the Sabres last night in which they start out with the lead and then blow it in the third and they do uh, win that one in overtime. But Here's my question to you guys. The Rangers obviously sitting atop the Metropolitan Division. I would not be super concerned. However, there are some cracks starting to show. If you're the Rangers, what do you want to patch up heading into the new year? If there's one thing that I would say that they need to patch up, and right now it's just playing consistently in front of their goaltenders. For the first time this season, we saw Jonathan Quick lose a game in regulation, which, you know, Christmas time. I didn't think that would be the first time that that guy would lose a game in regulation, but it was to the Edmonton Oilers on Friday who had just come off the backs of destroying the New Jersey Devils with four goals in the third period. They were playing a hot team. They had several days rest going into it. 
it made sense that they wouldn't be entirely all there. But that's off the backs of a week where they had a couple of losses that they really shouldn't have suffered. That big one to the Maple Leafs, getting blanked by the Capitals, and then getting losing 6-2 to the Senators. So it was almost like they came out of a slide and then sort of maybe regressed back into it. I think they you know turned the corner a little bit with that gutsy win over the Sabres in OT. But let's face it, the way the Sabres have been playing this year, I know we've some of us have been, myself included, have been higher on the Sabres in recent years because of their growth. But the Rangers really didn't make it easy on themselves and ultimately came away with the win. And for me, that's something that's, you know, that's something of a badge of honor to be saying you don't have your best stuff and you can still come away with two points, um, especially on home ice, because some teams that I won't mention right now really struggle on home ice this year, despite having all the pieces to be successful. So I think the Rangers are far from pressing the panic button. But if there's one thing, it's consistency. And I think it starts in blue line defense. The defensemen for this team have been shuffled here and there. I know there's been injuries earlier in the season to Adam Fox. Keandre Miller came in and out of the lineup for a couple weeks there in late November, early December. Um, but now that they've gotten that personnel back, it's time to really solidify everyone's role and be successful continuously. And I think guys like Braden Schneider stepping up have, have been part of the reason why this team has been so consistent to this point, but it's just a matter of keeping that and avoiding slides like they had earlier in December. But uh, I, I think it's inevitable that they continue to hit these slides again. It's a long hockey season. There's a lot of adversity teams go through. Uh, and yeah, there's there's no difference to the New York Rangers here, um, but they gave themselves such a great cushion early in the year that there's not that much to worry about going into uh, uh, the new year. Maddie, there are so many good things about this team. So I'm going to give you the chance to uh, maybe provide some some positive things about the New York Rangers, which maybe is a bit of an easier job. The Rangers have goals on the power play in 12 of their last 14 games and in 25 of 32 games this season. Igor Shosturkin earned his third straight win, which was nice for him. And how about Blake Wheeler extending his point streak to three games? He's finally starting to produce. What are some of the positives that you think the Rangers will just continue to push throughout the rest of the season? I just think that even with the skid, there is some kind of bright spots in terms of how the lines have looked chemistry wise. I think when you talk about Wheeler 37 years old, being able to compete with other guys on that line has been, I think very impressive. Um, and I have to mention Zabanajan, who has been absolutely incredible for them across the last couple of games. He has about 10 goals, 12 assists in the last 16, 15 games after just not kind of starting on the right foot. And so I think that this is, a good progress for the Rangers in terms of the way they've been setting up. I think that like you mentioned, James, there are a lot of defensive like blanks that could be drawn and you can't leave it all on the goalie to do something like that. But I think a lot of the chemistry has really gelled. And I think that there has also been a willingness to reaffirm what they're doing wrong. I think a lot of teams don't want to look at what they're doing wrong and go back to coaching and really figure out what's going on on these lines. And I think they did that over the last couple of games to try and like remove this skid. And so I think everybody looks a little bit more connected. I'm not surprised that this is happening towards the end of the year, that there is a skid mainly just because of all of these games, you get a little exhausted towards it, but it varies team to team. I think that they were destined to have this, especially with the way they've been playing and how they've cushioned that lead. But I'm really liking how the lines have looked. I think they look very connected, and I think the players are kind of gelling well together. Yeah, I, th I think the Rangers are positioned in an excellent spot. 
Um, we we are gonna let, let let's I I I think we should we should give them a grade before we go throughout the entire NHL. So um, I'll just ask each of you: Are the Rangers celebrating Christmas? Are they looking forward to the new year? Or I don't think they deserve a lump of coal. Where what would you guys give them for Christmas? I think they're celebrating guess, Christmas. Yeah, they they have to be. How how would they not be? You know, the the expectation for this year was probably third place in this division, based pretty similar to where they finished last year. And if not, they would be second pushing number one. But they have a pretty clear cushion in first place in the Metropolitan Division, and for that matter, they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. They've got to be celebrating Christmas and. Yeah, I think, but they're still going to be looking forward to the new year because of that momentum they'll be carrying into the second half of the season. It's just a matter of keeping that consistency. Let's talk about maybe a little bit of a more precarious team at the minute, James, your New Jersey Devils. They've been coming off an interesting stretch of games. I mean, they had that brutal back-to-back in Columbus and then at home where you, where you, you know, you, you take care of business in Columbus and then the Ducks just come in and absolutely thwomp you. And then you have that OT uh, loss to the Flyers. That was tough to watch. The Oilers come into town and just do what the Oilers do offensively. And then you pick up a nice gutsy win, comeback win against the, uh, against the Red Wings last night. Uh, James. I know you went to a lot of these games and they did not turn out the way the Devils wanted them to. Uh, But I'm going to give you the chance to say some positive things about the Devils. What do you want to see from the Devils and what have you liked from the New Jersey Devils? Well, I'll start with the the immediate reaction I had from from the Red Wings game. And it's that Timo Meyer scored two goals. And that is huge. He's got three in his last two games. He was injured for a big part of November with a lower body injury, excuse me, and came back and in his first 10 games back had zero points until that goal in the second period against the Oilers on Thursday, one point in his 10 games back. He's been skating 20% below his standard, according to the advanced statistics from last year. Um, so a lot of people believe that he is still nursing that injury that he's come back from. And that's part of the reason why he hasn't been playing with the top six guys for New Jersey, because you can't really sacrifice someone who isn't hundred percent playing next to guys like Jesper Bratt, Nico, he Jack Hughes, Tyler Toffoli. So it makes sense that he hasn't been given, you know, the keys back to his position yet. But the fact now that he's found the back of the net and it's been three goals that come in front of the net where he's so good and dominant. That's great news. Absolutely great news. The problem is the team defense has not looked much better, even with Seaman Namich, who I think is a better defender than Dougie Hamilton coming into the lineup Poor Dougie's out until April, May with a torn left pec muscle. I feel for him because he's a star player. He's a point-per-game guy. He's practically a fourth forward whenever he's on the ice. Um, but that's also part of the problem with the Devils. And before I get into the positives, I will highlight there's a clear profile of defensemen that the Devils keep propping up, and it's very much offensive defensemen, which has kind of left our goaltenders, who have no confidence whatsoever, out to dry. So while the goaltending is the glaringly obvious issue, the defense is not you're not completely off the hook. I know our five on five defensive metrics are mostly league average. They're better than teams like the Boston Bruins and the New York Rangers even, but still are much, much far below where they need to be in order to help these goaltenders. The Devils don't have Linus Olmark, Swayman, Quick, Igor Shosturkin, so the standard needs to be higher. But with that said, Timo Meyer, positive, absolutely positive. Uh, the fact that they're getting wins with Jack Hughes only scoring a point in his last three games, that's very rare for the kid but the team can find ways to score goals. That's great. Um, And now that they come out of the break, or sorry, into the break with a win in their back pockets, 
They're only three points out of the wild card with three games in hand on the Tampa Bay Lightning. The playoffs are within reach, despite what the doom and gloom you may hear from New Jersey fans. Um, I, I think I know we're not going to we're not going to get there yet, but I love the way that you're phrasing this whole Christmassy theme where it could be. What's their grade? Do they get a lump of coal or are they looking forward to the new year? Because the devil should absolutely be looking forward to the new year because all these things could fall into place with just one or two or three adjustments. And when rosters become unfrozen on December the 28th, there's a chance that the devils are looking for a goaltender. Tom Fitzgerald has been asking the Anaheim Ducks about asking prices for John Gibson. Jake Allen from the Montreal Canadiens, who, you know, is not a bona fide goaltending star, but would be a more stable choice than either Akira Schmid or Vitek Vanacek. Um, there's talks of them bringing in a defenseman from the Calgary Flames. Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev would both absolutely bolster this team's blue line. So, yeah, they're going to be looking forward to some more success than they got last night. And I think that it's within reach that they find some of their form from last year. I'm not saying they have to be the exact same team they were in 2022-23. But there is an opportunity for them in the weeks coming for them to be much more successful than they have been. And they need to ride the coattails of wins like that against Detroit. Going back a couple weeks, wins like that against Boston. And that entire North Pacific road trip that they looked like they were the team of yesteryear, playing their hockey, imposing their will. But like we know, the Devils need to play their game in order to win. They don't have a backup plan. So it's got to be one and done. They got to figure it out now. Maddie, I, I want to give you the chance to harp on. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say go all negative on this, please. <laughs> it's free will. Say whatever you like about the New Jersey Devils. However, their goaltending, as James mentioned, has just been a complete struggle. I mean, neither Vanacek or Schmid have really stepped up to be the starter. Both of them have a save percentage under 900, which is not what you want to see from a team. Vanacek sitting at an 884 and Schmid with an 893. That's good to average at a solid 888. Maddie, is, is is this a... Uh, is this a case of we just need to go into the deadline and get a goaltender? Or what do you think the Devils need to do to have a fruitful new year, as James mentioned? Well, I, I think the goaltending thing is is the glaringly obvious thing that they should definitely look forward to the new year and everything going on there. But I think what James brings up is, is really interesting in terms of the defense that is playing kind of with an overconfidence, I think, to make up for the fact that they don't have a strong goalie. And so they're really trying these gutsy plays. They're trying to, you know, dump the puck in different ways and, and figure that out. And it's not worked. It, it really it looks like they're trying to play at a level they're not. At. And I think that is just trying to force a sense of confidence on the ice to make themselves feel better. But there is just, I think an overconfidence from that defense that thinks that they are able to protect the goalie in the way that they can, they cannot. Um, and so I think that that has to change. And I think that will change with a stronger presence in the net going forward. But until they make those steps in the new year, it's really kind of tough to rework that defense because you're not expecting some of the young guys to step up already and immediately know how to do everything but that's kind of what you're you're stuck with with the injuries, with Dougie Hamilton out, with things like that. When you don't have a veteran back there to really like lock things down, you're losing that kind of presence. And so I think that they're suffering because of that. Um, and until stuff like that changes, you're not going to see the biggest change in the new year. But they should be looking forward to it in that case. Yeah, I mean, the Devils, I think, are the premier, uh, if we had a premier uh let's have a good new year team 
the Devils would be right at that top of the list. No one's counting them out. They have way too much skill to count them out yet. And I think you're right, James. It's just a couple tweaks away from seeing the New Jersey Devils of the regular season that we saw last year. A team that is riding so high right now, as am I, are the New York Islanders, who have an excellent stretch of games to come into Christmas concluding Matty Bamonte with an absolute barn burner of a win. No, it's not a barn burner. It was a really close game uh, in Carolina in which they take the W five to four. This one was a close one, very back and forth. I want to start out with pointing out the fact that Anders Lee had three points last night, which is everyone in the beginning of the year was saying he looked old. He looked slow. I wasn't saying that I totally was. Uh, But now he's looking confident with Barzell and Horvat on the first line. He knows his role. He's sticking in front of the net, putting in rebounds and letting them do their thing. Barzell is such a creative skater. You need to let him do his thing. Anders Lee is finally learning how to do that. But up and down the lineup, I mean, this team just a couple weeks ago was in shambles. We had to pick up Mike Riley. We had to pick up uh, Robert Bortuzzo, some of these like back end defensemen, because your two best defensemen in Pollock and Pellick are out, as well as Sebastian Ajo, who came back last night and scored the first goal. And I'm talking about the Islanders Sebastian Ajo, even though the Hurricanes Sebastian Ajo would <laughs> score the next goal. Uh, let's not confuse ourselves there. However, the larger point is the Islanders are heading into this Christmas break feeling jubilant sitting at second in the Metro, I believe, um, above the Philadelphia Flyers now, or are they tied? This they, is, this they're, is at one point, they're one point above the Flyers. One point above the Philadelphia yeah. Flyers. Excellent. And I wouldn't say they're in a comfortable playoff position. Things can change for this team very quickly, as we know. Uh, I'll start with you, Maddie, since you were there. Uh, just talk me through your experience last night. Just talk about that game. Uh, actually, very enjoyable to watch that game. This is my like second or third time going to see actually Canes and Islanders play at PNC Arena. Um, and I've seen both ways. So it was very exciting to see at, at least a close game last night and see so many goals. But really was struck by like you mentioned, a lot of that offense last night just outclassed a lot of the Hurricanes players in terms of passing, moving it down the ice, um, and just being able to slot it into the goal, I think was very impressive last night. I think the Hurricanes were a little too reliant on, you know, their goalkeeper, their defense, and it really kind of bit them in the back. I don't think they looked as sharp. Well, Rod Brindamore said they did not look sharp last night verbatim and I think that um the the Islanders just performed extremely well I know a lot of Canes fans were really butthurt by this game because of the penalty calls early on in the game Mm -hmm. they did not agree with a lot of it to be honest with you I didn't see it I really didn't I I don't know what they're getting at of course the disallowed goal got a lot of complaints as well um But at the end of the day, it really just was a testament to, I think, how that offense has really just looked together. And I think that has looked incredible up there. Anders Lee looked great last night. Even Matt Barzell got in there a couple of times to help out. Like It was just an all-out kind of offensive going for the Islanders. And I think it really displayed well against a Hurricanes team that is just 
was missing Tony D'Angelo last night for sure. We we are going to touch on the Hurricanes in a bit, but I, I James, that there's there's goaltending issues in Devil's Land, and I would argue there are maybe it's not as severe, but definitely the Hurricanes are seeing some goaltending issues there as well. I look well. Look, I'll I'll get back to the Islanders in a second, but just because you've opened that door for me, I would argue that it is exactly as severe as the situation is in New Jersey. They sent Antti Ranta down. He's with the Chicago Wolves. They've got Pyotr Kachetkov, and they have the same, uh, roughly the same save percentage across their team as the New Jersey Devils do, which is tied for last in the NHL. And these were two teams that probably were at the top of the league last year, not just the division, top of the entire league in terms of, you know, setting the standard for the NHL and ways you want to play. You know, the, the Devils were playing a terrific brand of hockey and the Hurricanes were playing an even better brand. And the playoffs really showcased that and how two of these teams were set to become giants now, I think, for years to come in the NHL. And the Devils window, of course, we've talked about how long and open that's going to be, but the Hurricanes are absolutely right there on the cusp of a Stanley Cup this year. So I, I think that the goaltending situation is arguably as dramatic in Carolina as it is in Jersey. But with that said about the Islanders, the one thing I noticed is that there's, I believe, seven guys on multiple point nights, six or yes. seven guys from last night. And that's a great thing. That's absolutely great. Your top guys are producing. Barzal and Horvat and Brock Nelson, all at the center of it. Kyle Palmieri, my old friend, Jersey legend, Jersey native getting on the board a couple times. That's awesome. Absolutely love that. And Anders Lee, yeah, coming alive for the first time. We were talking about, it's not that he was so slow or, or, or getting old. It was more like we couldn't figure out where was his role in this team. Was it going to be playing next to the guys like Horvat and Barzell? And it turns out that is where his role is because he's come back into his own as that sort of power forward, that net front presence on that line. Even though Simon Holmstrom, I thought for my money, for his money, sorry, was really good in that role too, because he can skate a lot better than a lot of these guys on this team. And, you know, he's got 10 goals on the year. And I, if I look at the Islanders stats down the line, their top guys are producing at a level that we really haven't seen necessarily in, in on the Island for a little while because they have such a deep team and such a, clear identity in their roster from top to bottom the fact of the matter is it's okay if guys like Casey Sezikis are only on 10 points when guys like Barzell and Dobson and Horvat are all on point per game same with Brock Nelson so I think that the top end production increasing is absolutely a good thing it's more in line with what you're seeing across the NHL and for that reason the Islanders have kind of turned around when just a few weeks ago we're getting text messages from WFUV legend five on three goat really he's really the goat of five on three Chris Hennessy I I, th I think like he has to be there's there's no one else and he was saying I don't I see I don't see a way Lane Lambert is still coaching the New York Islanders by the new year and that was even when they were getting wins I think the doom and gloom that we see it was some of these teams the Islanders are at the very center of it from their fans meanwhile they're playing in one of the toughest divisions in hockey one of the tightest divisions in hockey and have found a way to be successful over an extended period of time. You're right to say that they're not comfortable in second place in the division because they're absolutely not. There's seven points between second and seven in the division right now, and we're only 30, 33 games in. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be a dogfight, and it's going to be a marathon. But the fact of the matter is they've done enough for themselves to be in the conversation, and they're ahead of teams that, frankly, on paper, they really shouldn't be ahead of. So I think it's been mostly positive right now for the New York Islanders. And the expectation for this season 
had to have been maybe wild card, right? Same as last year. And for their money right now, they're ahead of that line. They've got to be enjoying it at the moment. I want to touch on two things that you said really quick, because I I, th- I think you actually made uh, two good points. Well, the first one is that I'm, I'm going to toot my own horn and say that when everyone was calling for Lane Lambert's head, I was one of the few people on Twitter who was saying that he's, he, he can't get fired. He can't get fired. You have, you have points in nine of your last 10 games. Uh, I wasn't going to call Islanders fans spoiled to their face, uh, but that was kind of what I was doing a little bit. Um, and secondly, you bring well, up Simon Bergstrom. And I think that, that that's a great point because I think he was playing well on the first line. I think he was doing well for being a young kid, but Simon Holmstrom's game is pickpocketing and taking off. Mm -hmm. That's what he does. I mean, he leads the league in shorthanded goals with six, which is crazy going into Christmas. Um, Eat your heart out, Marshawn. Yeah, seriously. Um, But yeah, that's Holmstrom's game. And I don't know if that blends exactly well with Barzell and Horvat, because when, when you are playing that style of hockey, it's more like you're making that rush to take that goal and you're not having Barzell and Horvat to support you necessarily. So I think that's why Anders Lee slots in so well there. Do I think he's a permanent solution on the first line? I don't. I, 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 he's, he's just not first line caliber. But if he keeps playing like this, functional. Absolutely functional for Anders Lee. Really happy with him. The Islanders will play on December 27th at home against the Pittsburgh Penguins. They, uh, they built this new thing at UBS Arena. It's called the Park. It's a nice little outdoor uh, ice rink. So if you want to go to that before the game, skate. You're probably a better skater than Sam Bolduc is. Uh, so you can uh, prove that to yourself. Anyway, uh, let's stop. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You know, we forgot to give them a grade. Uh, the Islanders are definitely celebrating Christmas. Uh, I think they're having a great time. I'll, I'll just let you guys uh, speak on that a little bit and enjoy it. I think after... I think after watching last night, I think they're in a really good place. And I I also think they're celebrating Christmas going into this. I I just think that they looked so comfortable together. They had a, they had a great time on the ice last night, believe it or not. And so I think that they just have a lot to look forward to going into this break rather than worry about anything in particular. Yeah, I would say the same, but um, definitely enjoy where you're at, but just know that, it's going to be a dogfight now from, from this point in to the, to the end of the season. Um, there's no easy games in this league and the division is as tight as it could be. So yeah, uh, enjoy it while you have it, but you better get ready to keep going after, after the break's over. All right. We have successfully weaved our way through the tri-state area. And now because Christmas is a time of reflection, um, as well as the new year, we're we're gonna we're gonna broaden our minds a little bit and look at the NHL holistically. Let's look at this holistically. Um, we're gonna start. Let's see, I'm I'm trying to think of a good of, of a good way to go. I I think we're just gonna we're just gonna fire. No, we'll, we'll go division by division. I think that's a good way of doing it. Let's yeah. start in the Atlantic with what I think will be a fun discussion. I do. By the way, we have, there are so many teams. Let's just give a sentence or two. What are you going to give them? Move on. Let's start with the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> James, a lot of trouble in Senators land. What's going on? Yeah. Well, I'll start by giving them a gift. And I guess it'll be like a baby bottle or something because their team is the youngest in the NHL. And they do have a bright future, but 
as Michael Matouche very bluntly pointed out when I said that the Buffalo Sabres have a good future, he's like, that's what you say to teams that are just bad. And you know what? There's there's an element of that here. Um, the Senators could use a lot of help. They've got a lot of injuries. They need goaltending. They need goal scoring. And they need defensemen. Bad. Um, so, yeah, I'll give them a baby bottle to uh, nurture their, um, you know, their development and their progression as uh, children into the, the next stage. Because I think you can just about write off this season. Not that they're going to be sellers or anything, except for maybe Claude Giroux. They could they could sell Tarasenko, but they've signed him for, for a decent amount of time. So I don't know what their next move is at, in terms of what they're doing this season, but it's a, it's a waiting game in Ottawa. I feel like it's an allusion to the movie Nightmare Before Christmas with them, where it's just like this constant idea that it's going to be Christmas and it just never is Christmas. And I think that's where they're kind of at right now. Um, and I, I don't know. I think it's just one of those scenarios that's just like exactly like what Matuch said. It's you'll be good eventually. You're really bad now. So there's, <laughs> I think there's too much. I think there's too much to even like cover with them right now that, you know, they, I wish they would have a good Christmas. They're just not going to. And so I think it's, it's kind of sad to watch it. All right, let's move to the top at the of the Atlantic Division, the Boston Bruins, who are 19-7-6. and six. They sit at the top. However, they are on a two-game skid, I believe, with some really ugly games against the Wild and the Jets. Uh, three-game, four-game skid. It was the Rangers' OT loss, the Wild OT loss, a bad loss to the Jets, and then they just lost to the Wild. This is unusual for the Boston Bruins, especially because they dropped two of these games at home and we know TD garden to be an absolute fortress for this team. Uh, They're in, they're in the playoffs. They're in the dance. They are the Boston Bruins. They had an excellent year last year, but is it a little bit of a bittersweet Christmas? I don't know. What do you think, Maddie? I mean, definitely the skid has been very bad. And I think this has been a consistent issue amongst a lot of teams. So I don't even know if it's, fair to just say this about the Bruins, but closing out games has been incredibly difficult for so many teams. And I think the Bruins fall in that category as well. I think going into that third period, there is a mentality shift that just hasn't happened for them. Same going into overtime. I've just not seen kind of anything there. I think that that's where they're struggling and, and that's what's gotten them to fall in these traps. Um, so there's there's stuff to work on for them still, even with their positioning. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, Pasternak has just been at least a force for them. So, so good. You got to you got to give him something. You got to give him something there. And he's at least going to have himself a good Christmas, regardless if the team is going to struggle in that third period. Yeah, I'll, I, I'll I, tell you I, what. Oh, James, uh, b- b- before uh, before you get into that, I-, I-, I would say, Maddie, that what encapsulates that very well is sort of like a like a like a nice little present, like maybe like a stocking stuffer being like, I recognize you're good. And then just a smack across the face and go snap out of it. Go well, ahead. Of, in, in, in order for them to snap out of it, I think this break comes at a, a, a huge time. This is the worst stretch of their season. And. They've gotten some important injuries to guys deeper in their lineup. They're playing with 7D in their last few games, and that's never something that you expect the Boston Bruins to have to do. Uh, And some of that is because injuries and they don't have really much of a choice. But 
when Pavel Zaka is your first line center, you're not going to win every game. All right. I'll just say that. And the, the fact of the matter is you've got four days off to regroup before the 27th. And yeah, this is the Boston Bruins. All right. They're a machine. When they roll, they roll. And when they get rolled over, it doesn't look great. So I, I think that they're going to take this time to, to go back to the drawing board. Um, I don't know what Danton Heinen is doing on the first line next to Pavel Zaka because that just like Boston, the Boston Bruins first lines in the past have been the greatest ever assembled, arguably. And now I'm just looking at it on paper and it's not that great, even though Pavel Zaka is having a good year. So I, I'm going to I'm going to leave the new the, the, the jealousy out of out of uh, out of the rest of this. But, yeah, they'll enjoy Christmas. But dear Lord, do they have to get it together soon before they get out and lose five, then six in a row? Because it's really tough to get out of those skids. A, a team that is certainly on a skid, and Michael Matuch would be the first to tell you that, is the Buffalo Sabres. And man, th- this team is is looking ugly. I feel I feel really bad for Levi, uh, even though a lot of it is his fault. Uh, James, the, the Buffalo Sabres, just, I, this was supposed to be their year. And it seems like every year is supposed to be their year. And nothing is clicking this year. Absolutely nothing. If I'm the Sabres, I'm blowing it up. Uh, I would give them, I, I wouldn't give them just a chunk of coal. I would give them an entire like stocking of coal so they could start a bonfire to blow up just the entire system. Yeah. I'm, I've, you know, I've been, I've been impressed with De- Devin Levi the past couple seasons. Ukopeka Lukanen, I was not very high on until this year. And I've really liked his game. The, the goaltending situation in Buffalo is one that, you know, they should probably enjoy moving forward. But, it's no surprise that they're not scoring goals at an important click because if you look at their roster outside of Tage Thompson and, and, you know, a couple of others, Dylan cousins, maybe there's really no players that move the needle to a point where you think that they're going to scare teams going forward down the line. So if there's one thing I would suggest, it's you got to be a buying team. If you're the Buffalo Sabres, it's not this year because it's not going to happen this year, but down the line, you got to start making some serious moves and it can't just be, you throw Taylor Hall into the mix and see what happens for a couple seasons because they did that a couple years ago and it didn't make sense then and it wouldn't make sense now. It has to be a genuine project going forward saying Tage Thompson can't just play next to Jeff Skinner and Alex Tuck now. He has to play next to some serious wingers who can score at that point per game, potentially yeah. uh, um, a standard for years to come down the line. In order for this team to be successful in the likes of other young teams that are up and coming, that's just that's the formula that you have to follow. Right now, the Sabres aren't there. They get a lump of coal for Christmas, in my opinion. So, do you know that movie? I'm going to go another movie. Do you know that movie? Island of the Misfit Toys. Yes. <laughs> that's, what, that's what this scenario is, because it's just a bunch of people that don't that just aren't where they need to be. They're not clicking. They're just kind of throwaway people that just exist in a realm that is not really like you can't, they, they don't fit anywhere. Um, and that's why I also, I feel bad giving them coal because I don't think they deserve it. I think they're just, they're just misfit toys. I just think they're like oh. the toys that you donate after. I think they're like the layaway toys that you donate after Christmas or whatever. Um, so that will be my rating for them. But I think... Even with being misfits, you end up pulling away with random, like, win games. Like, they played against the Leafs. That is just random that occurs where you score nine goals and it just happens. So 
there's flashes in the pan. Like your your batteries didn't die, but they just they're defunct toys kind of thing. Maddie, can, can I make a suggestion that either you start a podcast or like teach a class at Fordham where you just compare sports teams to movies and like and that's just the entire pod. I would I would totally yeah. listen to that. And I'm also slowly realizing okay. that 32 NHL teams to cover on this podcast would take absolutely hours. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go division by division. <laughs> and I want each of you to give me a team that's celebrating, a team that's getting coal, and a team that's looking to the new year. Because otherwise we will be here all day. And we will eventually see Santa come down our chimneys because it will be about a 24-hour pod. So let, let's um, – we'll finish off with the Atlantic. Uh, James, just <laughs> – I think we talked about a team that's celebrating or no, we haven't. Give me a team that's celebrating Christmas in the Atlantic. You know, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with a strange choice, even though they just lost. I'm going to go with the Detroit Red Wings. Um, Mm. And that's because they are very firmly in the mix of the playoff discussion this year and no one had them there. So I think that they've been a pleasant surprise. They started the season off a little bit better than they've done uh, in the last couple weeks. Um, They've actually, their last 10 has been brutal. They've only won two of their last 10, but before that they were, I would say the next best team, in the division after the Bruins, maybe the Maple Leafs. Uh, and you, we expected this division to be as tight as it's been. Um, no team besides the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Atlantic has won more than five of their last 10. It's been a lot of mid so far lately in the Atlantic division, which is as expected. These teams take points off one another. That's what you think. That's what you get when you have a bunch of uh, heavy hitters, heavyweights in this division. So I'm going to say the Red Wings should be enjoying mm. Christmas for sure because they're in this mix and no one had them. Uh, I think the Lightning, having caught Lightning in a bottle, are going to be looking forward to continuing that into the new year. And I guess, yeah, you you got to give a lump of coal to. I already gave one to the to the Sabers. The the Montreal Canadiens are like, like they they think they're in the conversation, but they're not. They're just not as good as as the teams above them. So I'm going to give them coal for. I mean, but but Montreal, they've really been bad for a little while since since the pandemic year. So. I don't want to be too mean to them, but yeah, you guys are getting cold. Wee wee. You you know what gift the Detroit Red Wings got for Christmas? They got a chia pet. They got a chia pet. Like like aren't chia pets like the things that grow grass out of their head? Okay, yeah. okay. They yeah. got a little chia pet of of Patrick Kane. It's like it's like a little Patrick <laughs> Kane chia pet. In his last four games, the guy has seven points. He is yeah. he's 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 growing into a beautiful Patrick Kane chia pet. Um. Maddie Bamonte, who who do you want to wish a very Merry Christmas to in the Atlantic Division? Uh, I'm going to wish it to Boston. I think that it, just sitting up there and what they're able to do, I, I you know, think that they're going to have a very successful year going forward. Um, I just don't think with kind of like you mentioned, the mid in mid-Atlantic is that for a reason. So I think that they're able to, aside from the glaring things that we mentioned, able to hold on pretty strong. And that's where I think it's going to be for Christmas. Um, And the bottom half is unfortunately getting coal. It's like unfortunate, honestly, giving out coal. I don't know why Santa does it. That's kind of mean if you think about it. He's sadistic. He is mean for that. Okay, but 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 in like the 1800s, coal would have been like an awesome gift to give because people didn't have like heating. So honestly, it, yeah, 100 years ago, I would have totally taken a stocking full of coal. Let's move to the metro, though. Let's move to the metro. <laughs> I think we already talked about 
two of the teams who were probably celebrating. I, I think you can really honestly only give that to either one or two of the teams. However, we have not given a lump of coal to a Metro team yet. If it's me, it's looking like the Columbus Blue Jackets. But honestly, the Pittsburgh Penguins are right in that conversation. Uh, James, if 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 one team has been very, very naughty this year, who who is it in the Metropolitan Division? You, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Penguins. And I'm going to go with them, not because I think they're completely out of it this year, but because for me that they, they were one of the teams that I would put in the category with the Islanders who should have been, you know, pushing teams like the Hurricanes and Rangers and Devils prior to the season to be in and around that conversation for a playoff spot. And, you know, they're not completely out of it, but they're, they're getting, they're getting one of the greatest seasons in years from Sidney Crosby, 19 goals, 35 points, he's plus nine. It, it, they haven't, you haven't seen Sid play like this really in, in, in a little while for me. He's, he had 93 points last year because of course he did 84 points the year before, but he's going to break that this year. If he stays healthy, which he has been healthy, knock on wood, for a long time coming, but they can't capitalize off that because the team is just not complete. So they get a lump of coal. With that said, if they get hot at the start of the new year, they could be as high as second in this division in a matter of two weeks. That's really possible in the way that you look at the makeup of these teams and just how many points split up between them. So they get a lump of coal for now, but that could very well change moving forward. I think... For this one, I'm going to give it to Columbus, I think, because it's not even, I would say, the players' fault. The organization has been so bad, like, like with them. And I, I feel like that's one case that I'm okay with giving Cole out because I just think that their coaching has been really poor. I don't think that they are being corrected on anything on the ice, and I think that's led to them just – failing miserably in the way they have failed. I would like to see them in the next couple Christmases do better. It's not looking good. That front office needs to kind of change a little bit and then we can, we can get something nicer for Christmas, but they're getting cold. That's really nice. That's really sweet. Um, Yeah. The poor blue jackets, man. (laughs) I, I think, I think their downfall began when they flipped Jonathan quick to the golden Knights last year. I, I, I think that's where it began. Dude, if they kept him, who knows? Um, let's yeah. let's move to the West, uh, to the Central Division, uh, where it is kind of a dead heat between the Stars, Avs, and Jets. I mean, this is this is some good hockey being played between the three of them. And if I'm wishing anyone a Merry Christmas right now, it's the Winnipeg Jets. No one had them penciled in to be at the top of the division. Uh, They're sitting right up there. They're just a point behind the abs and the stars. I had them near the bottom. I only had them really beating out the Coyotes and the Blackhawks. And that's about it for me. Uh, Just such a revelation. I think they've been excellent. Uh, Connor Hellebuck. People who say that goaltending is such a fluctuating position and that you shouldn't spend a lot of money on good goaltending. I understand it. It does vary from game to game, year to year, but a solid, really good goaltender that there's really only about four or five of them that come that are in the league at one time where you can re- rely on them consistently. And that's just Connor Hellebuck. I'm wishing the Jets a very Merry Christmas. I think they have exceeded expectations by far. James, who, who are you? Who are you giving a little present to this Christmas? Well, I'm upset that you took the Jets because I, I wanted to say them, truthfully. But I'm gonna I'm gonna 
go for a different flavor. I'm going to talk mm. about the Nashville Predators because, you know, they're, they're, they're a few points back of the Jets in, in that conversation for the top, but they are firmly, firmly, firmly in the wild card hold because, quite frankly, the Pacific Division after the Kings is, is, pretty, is pretty mid. Um, the Oilers are surging. They're on the up, and they're going to be in that conversation eventually. Um, but getting back to the Central, Andrew Brunette and the Nashville Predators – they, they really shot themselves in the foot the other night by giving up two goals in the last 15 seconds to lose to the Dallas Stars. But the Stars, Stars are right right now for me are the favorite out of the West to go and reach the Stanley Cup final. Um, and for the Predators to be within this division and play against and to play better hockey than teams like the Coyotes, who have not looked this good in years. The Coyotes are very much on the up not just for now, but for many years in the future, they play a really good brand of 200-foot hockey. The St. Louis Blues are still in that conversation, and even the Wild aren't too far out uh, from looking in, but the Predators have been consistently better for a longer period of time. And while, you know, you say Soros has got a year and another left on his contract, and there's been rumors that he might get shopped should the team need a goalie, New Jersey, get on the phone. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, they've been a great team in front of him enough where they have his cushion now, they don't even have an overtime loss point. You know, they're not one of those teams that is that is getting all those losing points. I'm not going to say anyone is. The Islanders are definitely doing that a lot. But the Predators right now, for my money, have been a better hockey team than a lot of people considered them. Um, I, I I will just say about Winnipeg, I had them dead last in this division at the se- time the season started. I didn't think that they were going to be able to turn it around. Uh, I sound foolish now that the Devils shouldn't have gone and made a move for Connor Hellebuck. Um, hindsight's 2020. I probably still wouldn't do it because I don't think the money the money could be better spent elsewhere in the lineup. I, I'm glad you brought up the whole notion of spending on goaltenders, but yeah, I, I've been impressed with Brunette and the Predators. I think that they have been playing better than the sum of their parts, especially with that big three in this division. They've set themselves apart for me with the other teams, and you know they're kind of that in that middle tier now where they can you know be comfortable in a playoff position, but they're going to have to keep getting wins to this degree going forward. Who's, uh, whose chimney are you heading down, Miss Bamonte Claus, to give a bunch of presents to? You know, let's keep spreading so much positivity across the, the division that I'm going to go with a different team. I will talk about the Avalanche. And I think that their game against the Coyotes was a very good change of pace for them because they were able to not only just maintain that progression throughout the game, of their offense Um, but they just closed it out with like a clean slate it was a simple game for them and I think that that is the perfect mindset to head into Christmas um, on your best foot forward because I know there has been uh, drama with how they felt they have performed Um, but I think that this is exactly what they needed to kind of alleviate that drama and so I think that um, they have been able to just do so well in that second period. And and I think the Avalanche deserve that kind of credit. McKinnon has been incredible, has like the longest point streak in the NHL. Yeah. They're there to stay for a bit. And so I, I think the Avalanche really deserve, you know, where they are being second. And I think that they could make a push later on. And I think that they will have a Merry Christmas and a, a Happy New Year as well. Well, you, you're talking about the new year and, and, I think a team that is looking forward to the new year, and this might surprise you guys because they are seven and three in their last 10. And James, you mentioned they're playing exceeding expectations, but I still think they need a fresh start. It's the Nashville Predators. Uh, The game yesterday, it was it was a Saturday at noon 
And I was watching the Predators Stars game live. That's how like little of a life that I have. Um, I was watching the most random game ever. And I was watching this live and I saw the collapse in the third period. I I don't know if the Predators got their gift early and it was just eggnog and they were just slugging that on the bench in the third period or something. But man, they looked absolutely dysfunctional in the third period. And that a loss like that has to be so damaging to the psyche of your team that I think they need like a little Christmas reset, sober up, uh, lay off the eggnog and head into your next game with a new mindset. Uh, James, who, who, who do you, who do you want to see uh, rejuvenate their team? Well, it's not so much a rejuvenation, but it's definitely something I'm looking forward to. And it's mm. that the Minnesota Wild and their legendary goaltender, Marc-Andre Fleury, is now one win away from tying Patrick Waugh second all-time on the all-time wins list, uh, the 39-year-old uh, Montrealer. And then he's also two games away from hitting 1,000 uh, career games mm. played. So that's that for, that's a personal thing, and I think everyone around the league should look forward to seeing the flower um, you know, blossom, so to speak. Because he, he has truly been one of the one of the you know, you think National Hockey League last few years he's one of those guys, three Stanley Cup like he he he's he's the guy for me so, um, I I'm absolutely looking forward to that for him I think the Wild as a team, you know they have enough to be a playoff team in this division but with the emergence of the Jets and uh, I think the Coyotes and Predators being as good as they've been really make that difficult. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some more Michigan goals out of out of uh, Connor Bedard as well because that was so slick. But yeah, uh, Flurry being the legend that he is, um, that's something I'm really looking forward to. I'm hoping that that's something that the, that the Wild can really get behind. You know, our our star legendary goaltender, um, generational Hall of Famer, um, we can be the reason that he gets higher and higher up that list. He's never going to catch Brodeur in first. No one for a long time is going to catch Marty Brodeur. But he can get that much closer and can be cemented in history with just a couple more wins. I think that's enough of a reason to rejuvenate the team around him. Matt Boldy, Kavril Kaprizov, get going. And I think that's what we're going to see in the next few games for Minnesota. I think for me, I real I while I just talked about the Avalanche, I do want to mention the Coyotes because I I do yeah. find them very interesting in their four game win streak that just got snapped, but they, they bounce weird where it's like the five game win streak and then they lose four games and then they have a four game win streak. So I kind of, I find that very interesting with them. And I think that there, um, there is a lot of potential. Um, Massielli, is that the guy that's on the coyotes has been showing that he can actually perform pretty well, you know, after coming off of what is this second season. Um, and so I think there's a lot of bright spots for a team like the Coyotes um, kind of sitting in the middle of the pack, like while you're around the wild card era, I think that they could do some damage later on. And I think there's just like a little bit of tweaking and obviously could not compete with a team like the Avalanche that has just been very strong offensively. It's, it's not hopeless for me. I think teams like that in the wild card really shake things up. And I think the Coyotes could have a potential new year that is more positive for them as well. It's right that you denote them at the wild card spot because they are a team that is completely a wild card. It seems like they play up to the teams that are better than them and they shrink down to the teams that are worse than them. I don't uh, I think you guys must have read the storyline. I think it was a couple of weeks ago where the Coyotes play all five of the last Stanley Cup champions back to back to back to back to back. 
and beat all of them in a row, which is absolutely absurd. And then they go and drop games to some of the worst teams in the league. They are truly an anomaly. But who deserves a lump of coal? If if it's no one, it's the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, I know, I know the, the expectations were nowhere for this team. It is the Connor Bedard show. That Michigan was the most beautiful Michigan I've seen in the NHL yet, simply because he had pressure down low. And with pressure, he executed a Michigan, which is absolutely absurd to think of. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the Blackhawks, I want to see them burn it all up, except for Bedard, build a team around him. I was I was very skeptical, not skeptical. I knew Connor Bedard was a generational talent, but I, I didn't like him at first. I, I, I kind of like Connor Bedard now, guys. I don't know why. Um, who, 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 get, who gets a lump of coal in the central for you guys? It's tough for me to give any team but the the Blackhawks a lump of coal just because, but like we knew they were going to be garbage. Right, right? that's the thing. Like, so I I think like right now I'm going to, I'm going to say that like no team does get a lump of coal, but like, yeah, the the Blackhawks do. It's the Bedard show this year. And that's all it ever really was going to be. I'm glad that he's, um, you know, lived up to the hype. So to this point thus far, and, and we'll continue to do so. I think we we got another uh, Michigan though the other day with the Ducks. Zegras got his second of his NHL career, so that was pretty sick. Um, and he did it in the same way, like he like had the puck on end and he just scooped it. He didn't have to like pop it up either, so it had that same sort of like fluidity that Bedard's has. So <clears throat> yeah, it's the Bedard show in Chicago, and yeah, that's 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 all it is. I don't think we even need – I think you're right. I don't think we need to give any team Cole because I think the Blackhawks have already given Connor Bedard Cole for Christmas um, in terms of just how it's been for him <laughs> by drafting him. So I think that we don't need to do anything. They've already done their damage. And while he deserves a Merry Christmas, he unfortunately will end up with Cole because of the organization that he is in. Be, being on this team must – kind of suck as an 18 year old i i i read a i think nick Bellino was talking about a couple of weeks ago where the team would go out for like drinks after a win which is hilarious because they've only won 10 games um but they would like go out after a win and a couple of the guys would stay back and get dinner with bedard because he's fully 18 years old and i was like man that's like being on the naughty list I know he's like the ugly duckling who like doesn't get to do things with the team. But why is this team celebrating with the 10 and 22 and one record? That That's my question. Anyway, let's take, move on. You take what you can get. You take what you can get. Absolutely. And a team that has been taking it all is the Vancouver Canucks. Who would have thought? Who would have thought the Vancouver Canucks would be leading the Pacific Division with 49 points? They're seven, one and two. In their last 10, an absolute masterclass of the year from Brock Besser. He is, I, I, he is one of the most underrated players. I think as soon as Bo Horvat left the Canucks, I think everyone wrote their offense off, which you absolutely can't. Besser, Pedersen, Hughes. I mean, this this team is really dynamic and young. And Thatcher Demko, who missed a good chunk of last year, is now returning to form. And so if you have offensive defensemen, like like Mr. Hughes, who's playing very well. If you have elite speed on your first two lines, which the Canucks do, and a solid goaltender, that's recipe for, especially in the Pacific Division, making the playoffs. Well, it's not just making the playoffs. It's kind of running the show. They're, they're ahead of the likes of the Golden Knights, the Kings, and 
for my money, when the Oilers finally do get back into that fold, which they will, um, they're going to be ahead of those guys too. And it's, it's quite possibly because they have a pretty great makeup of this team from top to bottom. They, they have really strong four forward lines. Um, no, no super big weakness on each of them. Even if their top six isn't as good as some of the, or maybe not as flashy as some of the others, they're a great team built from top to bottom. They deserve to be at the top of the Pacific division. They play a great brand of hockey. Um, as for the rest of these teams, if if I can just the Sharks were going to dig themselves out of a hole. It looked like it. And then they dug themselves right back in and then covered themselves with all the dirt in that hole and have suffocated themselves uh, to the like opposite way that we've seen these teams surge where like the Canucks lost a couple big games at home in a row. And it looked like the Golden Knights and perhaps even the Kings could catch up to them. And then they dig themselves out of it and they win seven of eight. So I, I really love what Vancouver has been able to do. And it's contrasted with how terrible the bottom teams have been in this division. And this is the first time where there's really two big teams at the bottom of the division in the ducks and sharks. Whereas every other team just kind of has one punching bag for the most part. This is the only exception. And uh, yeah, the Canucks have, have, have made good use of it being that they are right now more points than anybody in the national hockey league. I actually am very intrigued by this division. I think that the top half has all competed very well against each other. I think specifically, Nick, you were at a game that I was very interested in the other day, the Kings and uh, the Calgary game. And I think um, specifically the Kings have really kind of surprised me. I never expected to see the Kings kind of where they are just because they always fly under the radar for me. Maybe I just don't pay attention enough to the West Coast, but they looked very great against the Flames. And so um, I would say that across the board, they've been very interesting. I want to hear how the game was for you because you you went to a hockey game too. So that that's a big deal. I did go to a hockey game and what a hockey game it was. I, I went with my friend from Calgary. Uh, so that was that was really fun for him. And this this actually gets into um, I, I want to revoke my Christmas present to the Vancouver Canucks and just white elephant it over to the uh, to the L.A. Kings, because this team, keep in mind, yes, they are seven points behind the Vancouver Canucks. They've also played five less games, the Vancouver Canucks. So you could arguably see with the way that this team is playing that when they catch up in terms of games in hand, that they're sitting right at the top of the division with these guys. I mean, top to bottom, this team is electric and it's it's the young talent specifically that's doing it for me. Uh, Quinton Byfield has truly come into his own, his speed, um, especially last night. The Kings were up uh, uh, three to two and they are uh, uh, the Flames pull Markstrom. And there's just sort of like a bouncing puck that uh, Dowdy flips to try and get the empty net. But it's pretty clear there's not enough juice behind it. It looks like one of the Flames defensemen is going to get there. And Quentin Byfield turns on the Jets at the end of the game and just taps that one in. And it's the effort level of this team keeping the puck in the zone consistently, game after game. I mean, all of these names fly under the radar besides Kopitar. I mean, Fiala, Dubois, um, it, it it goes on and on. Trevor Moore has had a fantastic year. He leads the team in goals, which you wouldn't think would Trevor, happen. Trevor Moore, Trevor Moore has already hit or, is, or maybe one away from his, to- his goal total in just 30 yes, games. So he is he's been the main surprise. The only one who's been surprising in the other direction is Pierre-Luc Dubois. But yes. other than that, they've been firing at all cylinders. I really liked Kal- uh, Kaliev as well. Mm. I just 
I think that next to Dubois, he's been sort of like the shining piece of the third line for LA. Yeah. But please keep going. This is your team. And and how how about Phil Deneau? We don't talk about Phil Deneau. <laughs> yeah. Phil Deneau is an Phil absolute grinder in the offensive dog, zone. Man. And and uh, uh, PLD did struggle early in the year. I think he's finding it. He did end up getting the third star last night, which was good for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, the Kings, the Kings, the Kings. And Drew Doughty is having a total just he's back, rebirth. Bro. He's back. He's back. He's back. He's physical. He's back. Loving that from him. I, I am worried about the bottom defensive pairs just a little bit. Um, they are, however, missing uh, Yaroslav Gabrikov, which is Drew Doughty's partner. So I, I'm waiting for him to come back, as well as Victor Arvidsson. They're missing him as well. Mm-hmm. So That's some big, big pieces piece. still missing. And I'm I'm going to just, since I was there, the coal goes to the flames. The, the, which, yeah. <laughs> no pun intended, of course. But this team, you're right, they're not the flames. They're the embers. They're the ashes. This... Uh, they look so flat on the ice. They they don't keep the puck in the zone. Andrew Mangiapane is their hardest skater right now, which should not be the case at all. I'm I'm seriously worried about this team. Markstrom is is the only solid piece of this team. Uh, Hannafin is going to be gone. Uh, Huberto, uh, sorry, not Huberto. Um, uh, uh, Anderson, I think, will be the only veteran left on this team when they end up blowing it all up the flames are in trouble man i think the flames are in trouble and it might be a bit unfair to rope the seattle kraken into the same category but i'm going to Mm -hmm. because of what the kraken were able to do last year i think they have enough of a of a core in their team and enough of enough goaltending for sure really to set themselves apart and put themselves into a discussion at the very least for the wild card. But the fact of the matter is they've got, they've played two more games and they're five points out of that. Oh, sorry. Three points out of the second wild card. And when the coyotes play those game, make those games up, they're going to inevitably get points in those, I think. And the Kraken are going to be further and further down. Um, and it's not me punching down on Seattle, but I, I, for me that they've been similar to the flames in that regard in that they've been underwhelming and they don't, Whereas the Flames have like kind of sold sold away some of their team, and will continue to do so because that's just the way their contracts work out at the moment. They're they're gonna have to take a new direction. The Kraken don't have to do that, but they're still playing to that standard. For me, that's a little more concerning down the line for Seattle. I would completely agree with that. I actually would say that the Kraken would get my cold this year only in terms of I feel like. Their their goaltending has been able to save them in a lot of situations from regardless from the fact that I feel like there's no leadership on the team. There's really no player that stands out to me as like leading this team and campaigning for it. There's no standout person, which I feel like every team at least needs one. And they're just kind of allowing themselves mediocrity on this team that is just fading kind of into the background. Um, and so I think that that has to change going forward, whether that means they make moves, whether that's because of injuries. I, I think it's just kind of speaking to the fact that they are okay with being second fiddle to a lot of teams because there's just no standout person for this team. I, I do want to give a little bit of leeway to the Kraken, just in the sense that Vegas was totally an anomaly as an expansion team, just with the absolute dominance. That was a busted expansion draft. I think the Kraken got a little bit more of a fair expansion draft and they totally outperformed their expectations in the first couple of years. I think now it's like a it's like a market reset where it's okay, this is how an expansion team should be growing. There's growing pains for sure. Uh and you know what? 
I, the Kraken, I'm I'm not gonna harp on you too much. You're still you're still new. You're still growing. A team that I want to wish a happy New Year to, as we are winding down this episode, is the Edmonton Oilers. They 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 had such a bad start to the year, and now they're finally finding it. I do want to highlight Stuart Skinner, who had an awful game against the Islanders, and then came back and stopped 21 of 22 in his last win. Uh, he was an All Star goalie, if you remember last year, somehow. Uh, despite a terrible second half. And yeah, if you let McDavid and Dreisaitl do their thing and you actually have some solid goaltending, the defense is still a little bit of a question mark for me. But that's always been the case with the Edmonton Oilers. So Oilers, do your Oiler thing. You're gonna. I'll see you in the playoffs. Just take a deep breath. Have a nice, relaxing new year. Come back. Kick ass. I don't, I don't want to say that I wish the Oil has a good new year because they're going to already whether i say it or not they're on the up and it's going to happen i'm going to talk about the golden knights for just a second because for me for my money they're still probably the best team in the national hockey league they've lost three in a row when they turn that around and come back from this christmas break i really do think that they should reestablish themselves as the best team in the national hockey league and for my money that they it's going to take a couple of wins, but once they unseat Vancouver for first place in the division, they're not going to look back. And I think that they could really make a case as favorites for the Stanley Cup once again. And I don't want that to happen, but I uh, think it will happen. And we haven't talked enough about them on this podcast yet today. So that's just where I'm going to leave it. Vegas is going to be back and they're going to strike fear in a lot of their opponents moving forward. That That is a very good point, and I, I think that the Vegas Golden Knights are looking forward to a new year because I watched uh, their game against Florida yesterday, the Stanley Cup rematch, because, again, I have no life. And, uh, man, the Golden Knights look really, really frustrated on the ice when they're not playing well, and I don't know what that speaks to, but Mark Stone just looks look bewildered. Uh, he anyway, angry. he's angry. He's angry, man. Yeah, yeah what about you, Maddie? Who, who's, who's, who needs a fresh start? You know, I agree with you, Nick. I'm also going to say the Oilers. I feel bad for any team that just has to shift their coaching in November and then just kind of start again from scratch and figure out what they're going to do. And I think they really just need that push going into it. Um, They obviously have to pick up a lot of like slack now as they face towards the back half of the division. But I think with new coaching changes, it's a tough fit for a start. And I think that we've seen that with them. Down the line, it could definitely change because I think there's a lot of potential with them. Like you said, they always find their way into the playoffs. They always figure something out. Um, And I think that the new year could bring them a new start. And I think that that's what exactly is going to happen to them this year. I want to wrap up this episode with a segment that I just thought of that could totally be a disaster, but I think it's hilarious. Uh, I want you guys each to give me one player in the NHL to designate as the baby Jesus of their team, as it is Christmas is a uh, is the story of I don't want to get Christian on this. I'm Jewish, actually. Anyway, uh, designate one. You know, player. you know what the thing about Jesus? What's the thing about Jesus? He was Jewish. He was Jewish. Yes. Okay. Designate <laughs> one person as the baby Jesus of their team, where their arrival or their existence will be the catalyst for many new things to come. I'm going to start and say that Connor Bedard is the baby Jesus of not only the Blackhawks, <laughs> but the NHL. 
uh, I think that was the pretty obvious Maybe, one. That was, so a, that was a really interesting one. How'd you come I want, up with that? I wanted yeah. to take that one away from you guys and, and make you guys give me some interesting answers. So I'm, I'm going to give Burley the first one here. Go ahead. All right. I actually have a good one. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk a lot about the Philadelphia Flyers, but I will for a second. Uh, I, I love John Tortorella. Uh, I think John Tortorella made the 2011-2012 playoff series so interesting between the Devils and Rangers. It wouldn't have been as interesting without him. I mean, he's a character. Say what you will about him. Um, he's a good hockey coach, and he makes it more entertaining to watch that team. He's implemented a terrific neutral zone defensive strategy. They run a, a great trap. It's part of the reason why that they're playing so much better than they absolutely should. One thing that hasn't been great, he's starting to get better, is Carter Hart. Kata Hat has not Kata been Hat. has not been the elite goaltender that he's been expected to be. If he goes comes into his own, that narrow little point of protection they have in third place in the Metropolitan Division becomes a lot more solidified if Carter Hart can play up to the standard of guys like Cam Talbot of the LA Kings, who has been a revelation. Guys like Joseph Wall, even, of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who has been very, very good. If 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 the Philadelphia Flyers can get goaltending to that level, Carter, Carter Hart is the baby Jesus of the Philadelphia Flyers. They would be a playoff team. Never would have had them as a playoff team before the season started, but Torts has done a great job. And if Carter Hart can start doing a great, great job, I think they're a solidified playoff team. That's good. You went to Carter Hart. I thought you were going to call John Tortorella the baby Jesus of the Philadelphia no, no. Flyers. Okay. It sort of makes All him right. Joseph, I guess. Maddie, we're going to give you the chance to close us out here. Who is your baby Jesus? So at my first and foremost, I am a girl. And so therefore, my baby Jesus is definitely Jack Hughes. I think that until Connor Bedard, Jack Hughes was the golden baby Jesus. And now he has kind of been pushed aside like Jesus's brothers for a newer younger player and <laughs> it's a shame because Jack Hughes still like is the reason like for a lot of New Jersey Devils offense and has been incredible to watch he has given storylines with his brother all season long like it's just been great to to see him in the NHL and I think that he deserves his baby Jesus status um for his team as well from what he's done for a team and so he gets my baby Jesus even though it is Connor Bedard if if uh, if Jack Hughes is the baby Jesus, then certainly the goaltenders are Judas. Uh, that will do it for <laughs> us here on Five on Three with that absolutely breathtaking piece of original podcasting at the end. I would like to thank Isabella Terracini for editing this podcast. Uh, I'm Nick Palmer for Maddie Pimonte and James Burley. Five on Three has been a production of WFUB Sports. Enjoy your Christmas. Enjoy your Kwanzaa, which James Burley, I think, said is coming up. And enjoy your holiday, guys. Have a happy new year. Let's watch some hockey. Hockey is in. <laughs>